This episode is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Cobalt Press. Toma Beast 2 Layers brings you 14 standalone single map adventures for 5th edition of the world's greatest role-playing game. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Cobalt Press to get yours today. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. I'm your co-host, Ian. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. We want to thank you for joining us here today at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. That's right. Your roles are like a superhero without any powers. Yep. Wouldn't that be Batman? <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, you just have money. <laughs> That's or a superpower. Or or Black Knight, or... You can stop talking I can't now. Think of a long list of Shush. I mean, Batman does have like pseudo super strength because that dude is like three hundred pounds of raw muscle, <laughs> kicking people like two hundred feet off of buildings yeah, and shit. Ivy. All right. So um, once again, as you can tell, we are we are doing social distancing uh, with the rise in COVID cases and all that stuff and the new mandates that just came out a few minutes ago. Uh, about an hour ago. Um, so we will be doing the show for the foreseeable future online. Um, and when all the troubles and conveniences that that comes with. So I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, it, it's hard not to be a fan of fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, and all that stuff, and not enjoy superhero sticks. Um, so I'm really excited today to cover the fifth evolution carbide city it is a product uh based on the fifth edition rule set to run superheroes by limitless adventures so that's really exciting but before we get to that we have our let's talk about blank segment and i have a really exciting um topic today you know with tasha's cauldron of everything you know hits our dungeons and dragons games next week Assuming nothing goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Wizards of Coast has been getting kind of everything up to date. Most notably, the D&D uh, group has uh, been getting uh, previous books ready to be compatible with the changes in Tasha's. So basically what that means is they are updating all the errata or the, uh, the rules for interpretation, right? If you don't know, I think we've talked about it on the show before, Wizards released what was called a Sage uh, Advice document, which was basically a compendium of clarifications on rules and, and, um, details on how mechanics should work or how they were intended so that there's less confusion or if there was like a typo or some sort of error in in any of the books right well they've just uh released those uh, uh a new one updated uh you can find it on our uh superheroes uh fifth evolution blog if you head on over to criticademy.com slash post slash episode 196 it's probably right there if you're watching live on the uh the main page uh we have a link there that shows some of the updates and there's some there's some pretty big uh changes um did you guys yeah, get there's a couple, there's definitely a couple that made me go they did what now to what <laughs> um yeah so there, aside from the, the the plethora of changes that they made, we got some pretty big changes to uh, the Booming Blade, which is one of my personal favorite cantrips. Um, mm. 
as well as the way it works with the shadow blade spell. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little upset by this because we already didn't have a whole lot of good uh, melee cantrips. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, they're. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, agreed. What they, it's, to my understanding, what they've done now is it now includes requirement of a melee weapon. Uh, which may not seem like a big deal, but when you like to use magical blades like the Shadow Blade or the Flame Blade, uh, mm. you can't use it with that anymore. Which meant you could, uh, as an arcane trickster rogue, which is once again already one that doesn't get a lot of love, you can no longer will no longer be able to legally use the Shadow Blade with the Booming Blade cantrip with your sneak attack, basically. Um, right. And that sucks. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I'm surprised if tables ignore it, <laughs> if we're being real here. Yeah, but see, the thing is, in your home game, that's not a big deal, but like for, uh, for like... Uh, Adventure League. Yeah, Adventure League, or just going to other people's house, you can't assume they're going to allow that. And right. that sucks. <laughs> um, so overall, I thought this was really cool uh, that they updated this already, and you can access it. I do. If you haven't picked it up, it's definitely worth uh, picking up the uh, Sage Advice Compendium just because it does clarify some stuff that's kind of um, worded a little janky, I think, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, did you guys have any additional... Uh, points you wanted to make on this this topic? Uh, they definitely made quite a few changes to, to some of the stuff from this Death Sword because Avengers Guide. Mm-hmm. Bladesinger got a big buff, I hear. Yeah, like they specify with their extra attack, for example, that for one of their attacks they can use a cantrip instead. I'm like, they, they can do what now? <laughs> <laughs> it's all like, this is already they... a pretty good archetype and they made it better? I like how they actually do tell people about the lucky feet. How mm -hmm. it's like, hey, if you're at disadvantage, uh, you're really not. You're at double advantage now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually quite amazing that that how that functions. But there's always been a bit of uh, disagreement on that with some some people or some DMs, whatever. And now right? they can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this is. Uh, and so I like how that they kind of just intend it. They're like, no, yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah, so there was one other thing that I realized in this, and I don't know how long it's been in here, but did you know that the Circle of the Moon uh, Druid can speak the language it knows while it's in the form of an elemental? I didn't know that. I just always assumed they couldn't talk. Um, but apparently, when wild-shaped and you transform into the elemental, they can still talk. I had no idea. Okay. And I uh, do apologize to our our druid friend uh, Matt, who has done this and transformed into a, a wind elemental. And I gave him a hard time. I was like, "Dude, you're a gust of wind. The only words you make are." <laughs> I mean, I guess so. they do know a language, right? Yeah. No, like what is it? Primordial? No. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the element themselves. But yeah. of course, I oh. did point out in the past too that many. As additions allow Druids to talk when they're well shaped in the first place. So, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. 
So anyways, if you haven't picked this up, please check it out. Um, it's worth printing off and keeping at your table, uh, especially with all the changes that are coming out with Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything, which we will be covering next week uh, when it comes out. While it'll be coming out this Tuesday, we'll have it ready for the show next week. So, yeah, I think that'll do it. Before we move on to our main topic, just like every single week, we have fat loots to give away. Uh, So... We have a gift to give away, of course, as we do every week. And it is from Loresmith, the modular dungeon tiles. Now, specifically, the Arcania set. The Arcania digital tile set lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon maps rich with the fumes of arcane secrets. I'm not really sure how to tie in one with rules, but <laughs> that one's a little bit tougher than usual. So, uh, cool. You get to look at arcane sigils all over the place. And now, depending on your DM, maybe they're actually supposed to work one way instead of a different way. Our winner today is Wizard Cadius. Uh, congratulations yeah. to Wizard Cadius. Uh, if you didn't win, have no fear. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Lordsmith um, to get some free loot. If you sign up for our newsletter and our you know alerts and all that stuff, that's how you get entered to win. Subscribe to our show. Super easy. Yeah, get some free stuff. Easy. <laughs> now, on to our main topic, uh, Fifth Evolution Carbide City by Limitless Adventures. Now, first of all, it's called Fifth Evolution. So exactly what does that mean? So Fifth Evolution, or Five, Ev- five Evo is what they call it. They be- uh, Li- Limitless Adventure takes the widely popular 5e mechanics and applies them to a multitude of new genres. Um for that you can play with the fifth edition rule set now the five evil products are a basically a marriage of comic books and role-playing games and uh each of them are divided in a multi uh, into multiple sections right mm-hmm. so I, I i do have to say the very first part of this opens up as a comic story and i thought it was awesome uh what did you guys think about that I was going to say that uh, many- we're all nerds, so it's pretty pretty good for all of us. I mean, of course, we're going to love something like this. Yeah. You don't see too many supplements open up like that either, so it was an interesting change of pace at the very least. Try. Oh, yeah, and it, it's really great for me, like, if it's something I'm trying out for the first time, being able to print that off and give it to all my players, um, it gives a great introductory story. Um, it really sets the mood and the theme of the game. Um, and it gives everyone an idea of without having to know this entire world. Right. And it saves explanation on my part as the dungeon master or game master, uh, to get the players into it. I can just pass it out. Each of you spend a few minutes and read this short comic, which by the way, has a great story and really cool artwork. Yes. Um, the artwork is pretty much like a regular graphic novel you would find in a store. It, it looks really good. It is really well done. So kudos to the team for putting that together. Um, and, Very and, much so like uh, like professional quality, honestly. Like it looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And it, there's one part in it, though, that really kind of got me because there's not – there's something you don't really think about a lot of in the world of comic books, and that's kind of the – the dis- the side disasters that happen, the casualties, and in one mm-hmm. of the scenes, 
all you see is a a couple in the park and a, a couple people in the park and a mom and a kid walking through the park with the kid eating his, his you know his icicle and then you see a a, a bullet is shot. Uh, you see a hole in a book from a kid that was reading it, and, uh, and the pops, uh, the the ice cream falls to the ground. Now it doesn't show what happens, but that implies that there has been casualties from this evil person's or this enemy's um, uh, actions, which is something that mm-hmm. I think generally. Now I haven't read comics in a whole in a, quite a bit of a while, but that's usually something that just gets overlooked. When Superman bashes an enemy through a building, it doesn't show the five people that got smashed underneath his his body yeah. as he was being pushed through the other side. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought sure. I thought that was a really good inclusion to set the 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 heroic moments. Right? Definitely isn't something that is talked about heavily in terms of like superheroes and stuff like when you're when you have like when you start getting to like the really high level like uh heroes who can like literally throw planets at each other like you don't really think about the people living on those planets too much right yeah he just threw a planet at this like, out. there's nobody living there they're all dead now it doesn't matter I don't <laughs> like, whole civilizations are just ended right made me flash to what one punch man where there's a giant meteor falling towards a city to have wiped out the entire city if it hit only for a second to, to jump up in the air and punch it which then made it break up into smaller meteors which did cause a lot of damage but still saved the city the left people's reaction was hey that's the guy that wrecked our, my house <laughs> come on guys yes. <laughs> <Save your> lives. <laughs> that's a really good example so it is though like people are never gonna be happy they if it's not a hundred percent good then what's the point guys right <laughs> right um so and that so that's kind of how uh how it opens up now the game uh it does come with a uh uh, a short. Uh, it comes with an adventure. I think I talk about that a little bit later. It opens up with an uh, adventure that you can run that kind of jumps off of the comic book that's inside, which is once again very cool because mm-hmm. if you have access to the, um, if you have the resources, I can totally see somebody hiring an artist and an illustrator and finishing the comic with their characters, which I just think is is really cool above and beyond. Uh, what For you sure. know most people would think to do so um so as we're going through this we're going to talk a little bit about the different things uh it comes with a a really unique idea um in their their concept of how they build the characters but before that i want to talk a little bit about the adventure what when you guys think superhero sticks what's kind of the first kind of comic book uh villain uh story that comes to mind something that most comic books have in common uh i usually just like think about like the joker where like you know they the 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 minute they are there their presence is known and something is blowing up Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's a good one so in this one this event yeah i am uh and that's literally what this goes (laughs) to this goes this opens up with basically a heist right which i think is is pretty is pretty great because once again it fits that very comic book kind of feel. Um, mm-hmm. And now going through the stat blocks, they include some pretty cool stuff because remember I told you they talk about in the, in the comic book, it opens up with kind of the, the people that are around. So there's stat blocks for reporters, EMTs, and of course, average citizens, right? But police officers too. Yeah. I mean, little things like that um, is that's little, that to me is such a huge 
um, thing to include because it would get that's something that honestly that gets overlooked pretty regularly. Um, Absolutely. And I love the yeah, way they did the stop box. Usually you kind of have to like go to the back where the uh, the humanoid NPCs are and you kind of have to fiddle with it a little bit to make them feel more unique. And mm-hmm. even then, like it's th- these guys clearly have stuff that's going on, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned how they do the superheroes. And this to me is different than I would have mm-hmm. expected. It's m- closer to me. It's closer to monster stat blocks with options than I would say a traditional character sheet. Um, and kind of start off with a template, depending on which mm-hmm. archetype you go with, kind of build off it. And that's actually not the first time I've seen this in RPGs either. Like I've seen this with Feng Shui, for example, mm-hmm. when you pick a archetype and then you just add feats, adjust your numbers and go from there. Yep. And I honestly, I think that that's a really good way to do it with this because you as the dungeon master, in this case, the creator have set the starting point of the character strength, because let's be honest, level one or our, our adventurers are pretty strong, but they're not like heroic strong. So yeah, they're not like some mythic beings stepping out of something. They're usually Almost like they're just slightly above average dudes, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys just walk around like, oh, yeah, you want to fight me? And you're just like, uh, I mean, I guess, sure. And so you almost lose just like some humanoid dude who's like, oh, I'm just some regular farmer guy with some with some fisticuffs. And you're just <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm a paladin with the power of this longsword. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, uh, in this one, you start at level five, which I think fits really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to yeah. be honest right up front, you guys. Um, after I read through this, I picked up Mutants and Masterminds um, and some other stuff. And now I am already trying to develop my own superhero thing because this spurred so many ideas in my brain. <laughs> I wrote like 6,000 words this past uh, few days. So about it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so in this, so so once again, you start out at level five with a uh, basically a, a, a template. In this case, it's you know Geist is an example, which is like a, a supernatural specter style superhero. Um, you get the traditional gadgeteer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Adam, the first man, is basically a Greek god or a superhero or, or a Superman type character, um, and they come yeah. with their own basic abilities. Um, but then you have little options that you choose as you level up, which gives you kind of that customization, but it's certainly not as, um, as much control as you would get as if you started at level one and picked your own character progressing, if that makes sense. And and there's a lot here. I don't think we're going to go. Is there any one really particular is. that you like that really jumps out as something different that you haven't seen done in uh, fifth edition? Yes and no, if that makes any sense. Well, why don't you tell us about because, one you picked? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about, about the fact that when you look at these archetypes, they're not really like uh, built like any classes that you really see in 5e, as much as they pick and choose and put them together for stuff that makes sense together, which makes sense for a RPE for superheroes, which we actually had talked about a little bit uh-huh. earlier because so with superheroes, so many options, so many things you can do within the genre that you can't really have classes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think they do a pretty good job here. You've got like the blaster archetype, which is like the energy shooters, right? Um, the mm-hmm. Kamehameha mm-hmm. wave guys, uh, Gambit or Cyclops. Um, yeah. You have the brick, is. which is like the tank. Which is I cool. like the martial artists and I like how it's just some 
some dude who's just a ninja. <laughs> I'm really about it. I don't know why you know, it strikes my fancy so well, but it does. Actually, one of my favorite characters I've ever ran was in the Masterminds. I built a character called White Dragon, who was just a straight up martial artist. That was it. Any powers he had, I just said, it was just martial arts training. <laughs> That's really cool. I'll just shoot and just... blast out of your hands. Martial arts. No. Just well, pick it up. Well, like, uh, like the first combat can we have with them, we were basically like flying to a one's lair in our t- team's plane and we get attacked by fire jets and my first i'm like i'm a martial arts guy what the crap am i gonna do then our guy who was not wolverine if you will try yeah. to jump for our plane out of one of theirs fist and fell into the ocean i'm like wait we can do that yep well i'm a martial artist i can jump better than that guy so like in my turn the kung fu <laughs> leap crouching tiger hidden dragon style off of our plane landed on one of the enemy fire planes like, okay i'm going to attack through, through the canopy, and I rolled to attack, ro- 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 rolled high. The GM was like, Oh, so you're gonna punch a pouch? No, I'm in for the ejection button. <laughs> eject him, that's I'm not awesome. A fool. Um, so you talk about, you're, you're doing what? <laughs> Made everybody just breath and laugh, laughter. Yes, yeah, punch in the glass because it took piercing as part of my attack, so. So there's a couple things that they do in here that I think is really cool. First of all, we want to touch on the advancement a little bit. There are no level advancements. They 100% commit to milestone advancement, um, which is how which is how you kind of get your your new abilities, right? Basically, when the DM decides you guys have made it so far and you've learned a new way to do something, um, which honestly I think is probably the best approach for something that it doesn't isn't designed to have level by level progression. I, um, I can agree to that. The uh, one thing that I was super impressed by, and I, w- when I first thought of this, I was like, how are they going to make this work? The speedster, right? The speedster mm-hmm. in every superhero flick, let's start, we'll talk about the flash. Cause that's on TV. Right. And um, he's so fast. He has all the time in the world to think he can punch you a thousand times before you get hit once. How can you successfully capture like something yeah. like that? Um, and honestly, they did a pretty great job. Uh, the guy has multi-attack. He attacks four times, right? Um, and he can move between targets. But what's cool is he doesn't roll damage for his unarmed strikes. I think in order to capture the fact that he's moving so fast and is guaranteed to be effective, it just does a solid six damage at the starting level. Um, That's huge to me because there's no chance to roll a one. You're just always at the max damage. Mm-hmm. Um, And that to me was an interesting, interesting way to do it, I guess. Um. And the, the creature speed is, or the speedster is 120 feet. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and they get a reaction, which is basically called sidestep, which is basically parry. Um, they can yeah. increase their AC for an attack by three. Um, if it would hit. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter. You'd only do it if it would hit, I guess. But yeah. that, that being said, there's a few things that I think that they could have that I think would have been a little better for this. They do give advancements for like the rogues evasion. They get the luck feature, which basically once a day they can reroll any die. Um, so they get some stuff that really increases their chance of success for their speed. Um, mm-hmm. 
The one thing I'm surprised that didn't get make it is not giving them the displacer uh, beast displacement ability or something similar. Because you totally can see the displacer beast instead of it being illusion, just them moving really, really fast. So you every mm-hmm. attack has disadvantage on them until they're struck, which slows them down, and then you can wail on them again. Um, when I was watching the Flash, that's the first thing that came by to me. So that'd probably been the one thing that I would have changed. But I was really impressed with this. So interesting. Okay. They do have provoke opportunity attacks when you move. Oh, blurry. Oh. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, that so you can go from target to target, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah. Um, you just you want to beeline for the big bad evil guy? Go right ahead. You can mm-hmm. do it better than anyone else, probably. Yeah. Um. Huh. I can remember yeah. using meth mines. I read when they were doing a battle royale, the guy who's a speedster basically grappled the guy who's the juggernaut, ran to the North Pole. Let the guy go, then ran back to the battle scene all in one turn. That's cool. That's that's very fast. That's really, really cool. Yeah, that's, how- that's also clever. <laughs> and the needless to say, the player who was playing the jerk, I was like, well, now what do I do for the rest of the, this game? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, Breaks the grapple. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Uh, did you guys see anything that stood out that you thought was really unique? A, a build idea or a concept that they designed? Um, I, I kept looking at the martial artist one and I kept looking over at it. And I actually really. I, I, I like what they did because this is like the most like, I guess, ninja character from like a superhero sense that you could possibly get to. Because like everything they're doing is just like. Uh, like I like the the training, so they can just learn additional martial arts style. And they have a three over here, uh, like a you get like a shout. Uh, you can get like a uh, you can become invisible until the start of your next turn. Not sure how often you can do this. Oh, once per short rest. Okay. Uh, as a reaction, take that's pretty cool. Melee attack and force the target to make a DC fifty. So you get a literal like judo throw. Yeah. <laughs> like this, you take this guy. And he uses momentum against them. That's really cool. Like, I'm surprised that's actually not a thing. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> but, like, I would love to see stuff like that. Because, like, unarmed combat is always so cool to me. And, mm-hmm. unfortunately, 5th edition D&D does not do a fantastic job about it in the most general sense. So, like, if you can be a monk. Yeah. But monks aren't that's the it. only people who can punch you in the face, right? Like, <laughs> soldiers have military training. I'm sure they know how to take a person down. Right. Why isn't it a thing? That kind of idea. But that that's and just my whole... A thing too. Yeah, like, it's... Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like that. Uh, so I'm really happy that these kinds of things exist in this sense, which is why I guess I was really happy about the, in the Unearthed Arcana, the one monk uh, mm-hmm. subclass. I was really excited about that because I was like, that's kind of what I wanted a monk to be. It's something that, like, they, they have these almost innate powers in them and stuff. Whereas, like, this is, like, a true martial artist. Mm-hmm. This guy is using things to his advantage. He's using anything that his body can do in order to give him the, the, the slightest advantage over his opponent, which I think is just super fun. I think that's the whole point. I like that. <laughs> right. So, very cool. 
I do like their um, underneath the advancement for the the martial artists and in other classes as well. They have what's called endorsements, so you yes. you can be endorsed by companies, which gives you additional resources. So instead of necessarily giving you access to a new power, you get more uses of a different power, which I think right. is a really cool way to do it. And I'm thinking to the boys. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, and the boys. What? Oh, it's really good. You have to come over and watch it. I have, but uh, the um, in the boys, they basically are walking billboards for Vought. I mean, and they're constantly getting endorsements and doing commercials and stuff. And to me, that is just the most exploitive thing of superheroes that should be happening in every comic book, but probably it doesn't really seem to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, applying a mechanic to that, I thought was pretty dope. It's a great example of the Avatar 2 is the anime Tiger and Bunny, which ignored the, the dumb name. It actually doesn't make sense in the show's context, but basically it revolves around a, a, a superhero reality show, and the characters there are walking billboards, like the Ice su- superhero, for example. She is plastic with the Pepsi logo, for example. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Um, There's lots of stuff like so overall, um, they give you lots of monsters to use from, from henchmen and minions and all that sort of yes. stuff. Uh, which is pretty cool. I do like the hero Titan, or the is that a class? Or is that a person? That's a person. The Titan, um, basically yeah. can rechange its size, so kind of like Ant Man. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, there's lots of really fun stuff and some unique ideas. I love the way the stat blocks are, are written out, um, and I love the di- the vers- uh, the di- diversity they included. For instance, one of the the main one of the characters, um, his name is Jaunt who is clearly uh, uh, Latina. She speaks English and Spanish. So they've included uh, a diverse, you know, collection of people. I know that one of the characters is uh, African-American, the brick archetype. Mm -hmm. It's got the, it kind of looks like uh, cyborg. If I got, if I'm going to be real, Uh, but they, they did a really good job, including a variety of different people. What's that, Ian? About Luke Cage, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I can see Luke Cage. Um, but anyway, so there's lots of really good stuff. I love that there's weapons and stuff, uh, weapons, um, and not just yeah. su- uh, just super powered enemies. Like I said, the minions and the henchmen are not all powered. Yes, some of them are genuinely just regular dudes, just following the big bad evil guy. <laughs> Which someone's got to do the dirty work. <laughs> But many of them have, you know, silenced pistols versus combat knives, semi-automatic rifles. Uh, the ERT or the Evo response team, they have a beanbag gun. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you shoot somebody, but they are stabilized when they go to zero, which is pretty awesome. That's pretty good. I like uh, that. So I do think they give lots of uh, opportunity to change. For for something that is – to me, this is designed to be uh, something you can run uh, run short, one maybe one or two or three adventures – um for sure without needing to do anything else now there are there are guidelines for a dm who wants to expand upon this um but for me this is more of a not something you're going to run you know a, a year long campaign with at least without doing a lot of additional uh work yes i i can agree to that but it's a great yeah. jumping off point so but do you think is kind of difficult in many cases to make a superhero RPG, which I've played a, a couple, and keep things simple enough where you, you can 
not get bogged down in the, in the details, but open enough to create what you want. Mm-hmm. I remember when one of my games of uh, Meetings of Masterminds, both of the players had no idea what they're doing when they built their character, and it showed. And actually, after our first couple sessions, actually spent an entire day like, okay, guys, we're going to have to rebuild your characters from scratch. <laughs> now, <Kind of> thing. <laughs> that's, in my opinion, that's one of the strengths of this this product. Um, is because you don't need to, you don't need to build it. You can literally hand it out. Here's where we start. Here's all the powers you have. If you like it, we'll keep playing. Here's how you advance. If not, we don't keep playing and we didn't spend a whole session building everything. So, yeah. Um, now there are other things that come with running a superhero genre versus a, uh, fantasy genre. Um, and they give us kind of some guidelines. Uh, the first guideline being is that character death. And murder are supposed to be rare. Um, it is expected that the the villains will be apprehended or turned over to authorities. Murder and excessive violence will adversely affect uh, the character's uh, notoriety and specifically their public opinion score, which we'll talk about more in the Dungeon Master tip because it's mm-hmm. awesome. But um, that is what really makes it superhero is your character's aren't out just murdering everybody. Unless you run it like the boys, then maybe. <laughs> but the the goal is to try to subdue and control the situation, not just blow up a building with the enemy inside. And I think that's right. interesting. I feel like every game will turn into that anyway. But maybe. <laughs> what are uh Austin, what are some other expectations of the super genre ver- superhero genre versus fantasy? Right. So healing is rare in this specific genre in the supers genre so there is no cleric who's kind of ready to kind of just like bounce you back into the fight uh there's some of us are capable of regeneration uh but unfortunately in this carbide city which is where this is all kind of based around anyway this ability only kind of appears in feral evos uh players need to gauge risks take cover and dodge as though their lives kind of just depend on it uh and gms will also have to take uh, a lack of healing into account when they're writing their adventures, just because, you know, there isn't just some dude who's going to be like, I'm going to call down the light of God to heal you. <laughs> God doesn't exist here. <laughs> and not everyone's going to be like Wolverine, have a healing factor. Right. Um, and those are things to take into consideration. Uh, Batman is a mortal man. <laughs> I don't know, man. He gets that out of some. Will st- hurt him. <laughs> he gets out of some sticky situations. I mean, that's because he has boatloads of money and can kind of just do that. I'm waiting for the episode of uh, Batman where he's getting his ass kicked so bad, he just reaches out and pulls out a silver credit card. Here, take it. Leave me alone. (laughs) Just please. Um, We're done here. (laughs) Austin, or Ian, uh, what's another one? Even when people die, this is a superhero, Charlie. They always come back in some way, shape, or form. Yep. Be it heroes, villains. Even if it's just somebody like taking up the identity of somebody who got killed, or oh, that's good. I like I've even seen some. I've even seen some videos that make fun of this. Wait a second. We, we saw this guy die, but we have no body. We're having this funeral. This is not the first time he's died. Why are we even here? <laughs> um, that's a really good one. Um, because. Uh, you see it a lot in the Batman where uh, Joker goes to Arkham or prison or whatever and always escapes. So there can be yeah. a lot of fun with that where you can have a reoccurring villain that is out to just taunt the players. And every time he gets out, they just like, oh, not this shit again. 
Um, I mean, even like the the bigger bad guys. So like in, uh, like Thanos, for instance, mm-hmm. the guy never fucking dies. He's always coming back some way, shape, or form. Right. <laughs> if you've ever read through any of his graphic novels that he's involved in, he's dude's lost limbs nonstop, and he's still just kicking it, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I should go for awesome. the head. I should have gone for the head. <laughs> so uh, solved a lot of problems, man. <laughs> Just saying. The the other thing that I really think makes superhero different than most fantasy games is the city has character. Anybody can yeah. tell you all about Gotham. Why? Yeah. Gotham's not a main character. It's a setting, but we all know about Gotham. We know that it's plagued with thugs and gangs and corrupt policemen and and oh, for sure and everything of that nature. We know that by the setting, and the Carbide City is no different. Um, it has its own personality, and it in this setting, you know, these sorts of superhero lives and supervillains and and everything. It becomes something that happens all the time. You see it in the Spider-Man flicks all the time where he's in the middle of doing something personal and then a damn, you know, cop car chasing a, a, a armed bank robbers drives by him. And now he's like, well, I was on my way to this date, but yeah. I'm a hero. I should probably go do that. Well, somebody else can take care of it. But what if they don't? And then I chose not to and somebody gets hurt, you know, so stuff like that, I think, becomes more important in a superhero genre. Yeah. Another thing in superhero mm-hmm. genres is anonymity. Uh, so most evos lead double lives, including heroes in all of comic books, really. I mean, let's look at Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Uh, they lead double lives to protect their loved ones from, you know, villains and media lawsuits. <laughs> uh, Incredible. <laughs> uh, a hero without a secret identity can expect no rest or peace as they are constantly harassed and asked for help. That would, I mean, look at Batman. If people knew who Batman was, oh, <laughs> that would create waves. Right, right. People would be like, excuse me? This billionaire is a vigilante going out and just like taking down thugs? Well, and it would be easier to target him too because then you could target his assets. And you, exactly. you can beat him financially and c- destroy him by getting rid of his resource to do the job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of truth to that. In The Incredibles, we saw the heroes get sued for helping people. Um, yes. <laughs> so the fact that that's included in here as a comment is important because all the power in the world isn't <laughs> going to save you from a jury, right? <laughs> if you done messed up. Well, that is if you're a good guy. And then suddenly when that jury hits you and you suddenly become a bad guy, well... You oh man! Could you imagine that becoming a villain because you were wrongfully accused of something after trying to save people, and you just finally yeah. give up and just snap? Like I'm tired of helping you. You're ungrateful bastards. Zzz, laser beam to the head. Yeah, I mean, uh, could you yeah. imagine? It just blows up the courthouse. I mean, sorry, but his his life was threatened. Right. You tried to threaten a man who could level a city. It's not my fault the city's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Don't yeah. watch. I'm not going to save you guys. You give me too much crap. And you have to take the next one. Around. Right. All right. With great power. Superheroes are 
almost always a burden or a nuisance. Supers find themselves ostracized in love in equal measure and often seek to company others supers who understand their unique plight. We kind of covered that just now, actually. Yeah, so. we kind of did. We yeah, expanded on a little yeah. bit. So, um, Old Handy says, or yeah. that scene in the movie where the employee audits Bruce Wayne and is told, uh, is uh, and is told, and you want to blackmail this guy? <laughs> Talking about the guy that finds out his uh, his toys are disappearing and and money is being spent in R and D. It's a good example, Handy. Thank you. Um, yep. Many stories converge. The greatest comic story arcs often contain several crossovers that converge on one point, usually a, some sort of supervillain. Um, the introduction right. of the heroes, even those from other cities and other worlds, we saw that in this uh, big crossover between the, the, the Arrowverse, right, where people from different uh, Earths all came together to, to fight in, uh, a supervillain, right? Mm. Um, it's, it's common and it's expected. Um, so make sure that each character, hero and villain, get their own story, then allow them time to develop and grow. And if you can, intermingle all those together. There's one thing that I think uh, the Arrowverse does really well, and it tie- and I would say Marvel does it really good as well, is it ties in all the characters' beliefs in some way, shape, or form. Civil War was a really great example of when superheroes don't agree with each other um, on what's best. Yep. So. One... Uh, superpower something I've, I've always wanted to play right in depth is Savage World, which is another game system, but it does have uh, superpowers as options. Is they have a thing called Necessary Evil. The general uh, plot behind it is aliens invaded Earth. The heroes are dead from said aliens, and the last line defense for Earth is actually the super villains who are banding together to defend the planet. Not all the goodness of their hearts, because they were here first. And if anybody's gonna take over the earth, it's them. Dang it! <laughs> I was thinking that like they would just be like, I mean, we kind of <laughs> live here. We kind of want this place. <laughs> have you it's guys like self-preservation kind of thing? Have you guys played DC Universe Online at all? No. Oh man, it's worth at least a playthrough once. It is. It is really. It is the superhero game. But anyways, um, what happens in the in the opening uh, video and what's going on is that uh, I think it's Brain Brainiac and all of his AI units attack the whole world, and uh, the world's losing. Superheroes are dying, uh, and the villains and superheroes are pretty much forced to kind of help at some uh, some point because well the whole world's taken over we're all boned so lex luther actually travels back into the past and shares technology to breed new heroes to fight this threat um and so that's a really good example of you know the whole whole of the story this guy who's been a villain for as long as anybody can remember is now one of the its saviors to save the world um, by creating more heroes and potentially more villains, right? Um, right? Which is awesome. If you haven't checked it out, it's free to play. Um, play it. You'll, you won't regret it. Even if you only go through like the first few levels, it's super awesome. Uh, if you can get past character creation. Because <laughs> I, I, I took me a long time to. So um, lastly, in the third section of the book, they have all the details you need for a GM to create their own, you know, adventures within the genre. Um because this is all compatible with 5e, you can really um, toss in anything from either genre. Uh, if you want to have Space Marines fighting a T-Rex, you can really do that. In fact, I think in our Patreon, I just released recently the um, 
the uh, barrel dragon or the barrel drake or t- whatever, which is basically a giant T-Rex with like laser cannons and shit. And uh, stuff like that fits far, far uh, well within it. You can have wizards going up against gun-toting, you know, giant mechs. Uh, I see a lot of that in the uh, Final Fantasy XIV game that I play, uh, where you've got a mix of fantasy and sci-fi. And this really yeah. gives you the options to do it. One might even say that the options are limitless. Like Limitless oh, Adventures. See what they like did there? Ah. Overall, what are your guys' thoughts on this? It's it's a good product. Uh, there's uh, a lot you can do with it. Again, the whole Limitless <laughs> thing. Uh, but uh, I think the, the, the thing that I really took away from it was... Uh, it's a concept that can definitely be explored. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you said you're you're making a product about I think superheroes right now, right? Mm-hmm. So this can definitely be like a springboard to be like, well, if they did it this way, what did you like and what didn't we like? Well, there's a couple of things that I thought were like eh, not really my cup of tea, but I can see them working, mm-hmm. which was the whole you know you're not actually uh, creating a character, you're kind of just adding on top of this framework that already exists. Yeah. Um, and that won't appeal to everybody for sure. And I, I'm not super keen with the idea because I want like a separation of like player character in monster set blocks. I don't know why that like, I kind of need it, <laughs> um, but I, I can definitely see it working. So, cause obviously it does. And that's how come they probably at least play tested it a little bit, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. they probably put out the idea. It was like, Hey, here we go. And I mean, there is some merit to it. It does have like a milestone based, uh, like a level ups and stuff. So, I mean, I, I, I do like where it's going. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, maybe this one wasn't as much for me this time around. Right. And, th- and that's, and honestly, when I first thought that, that's what I was kind of thinking. But then I thought of it more of like, uh, it just being a pre generated character, like I did when I played, uh, the, um, right. Beginning, what is it? The, uh, Oh, I can't think. What is the stupid starter kit called? Uh, I think it's just called the starter kit. The venture in it, though. Oh, the... the Vandelver? Yeah, that one. The Mines of Vandelver. So uh, that was just a pre-generated character. I mean, I didn't get to pick any of the powers or anything, but as I leveled up, I got to. So I can kind of see uh, how this will work, but from I would agree that it probably isn't best for like long-term. Um, people mm-hmm. want more customization, but definitely getting started and see if it's something you're interested into is definitely something I think that this is done really, really well. And so. again, you, you can definitely springboard off it mm-hmm. pretty easily too. Like they're, sure. they're, they're like, just because this supplement is here at the end of the day, it is a supplement and you can definitely rig around with it or ask the GM in this case. Uh, whatever means to take the characters a step further. Like, hey, I think this would be a really cool power to have. What do you think? And either it's a yes or it's a no. At the end of the day, it's your table. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what about you? I do like the fact that it's at least trying to be upfront and simple, so you can just yes, grab it and go. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's what they were going for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grab it and go. Going for yeah. Anyways, uh, overall, I was really impressed with it. I thought it was really well done, and I think that there's a lot of potential here. Like I said, it really inspired me to want to create my own. After I did the the Living Testament thing, I realized that there's a lot that I could, I can do with the knowledge that I gained from 
building a different setting around the 5e rules uh, and expanding upon them. So, right. I think that'll do it for our main topic today. If this is something that sounds like it's interesting, you head on over to CritAcademy.com slash post slash episode 196 and check out Fifth Evolution. There's a link from Limitless Games right inside the show notes. Um, it's really cool. I enjoy it, and it's very uh, it's it's very unique. Um, and I look forward to trying to uh, actually run a, a game for our patrons uh, with it soon. This episode is brought to you by our generous sponsor, Cobalt Press. Toma Beast Two Layers brings you 14 standalone single map adventures for 5th edition of the world's greatest role-playing game. Each adventure features new monsters from the Toma Beast 2. Some adventures also feature monsters from the first Toma Beast and the Creature Codex. And all three books are required for maximum playability. Each adventure is intended to take one or two sessions to complete and includes a map, adventure hooks, and treasures for your adventurers. A few adventures included are To Track a Thief, The Shrine of the Hungry Dead, Cavern of the Crystal Monolith, Crucible of Golems, Fire and Fury, and so much more. This is a collection of adventures you don't want to miss. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Cobalt Press and get your copy today. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Character Castle we have today is the fake villain. Many believe I am a threat to society, and I make sure they believe it. Sometimes to take down darkness, to become the darkness. It's a fun one. Sometimes okay, the Batman. best way to take down a threat to society is, well, to become one, or at least convince everybody that you are. Decide to play the role of a villain without truly becoming one, so you can not just walk into their world, but be welcomed into it. This gives you avenues that you would not otherwise have access to, and allows you to take apart the shadowy underworld from within, as well as plot threads you otherwise may not have even had at your disposal before. And beyond that, you can, to a degree, accept your role as a villain, which would sometimes, in some cases, put you beyond on limitations of normal heroes. And sometimes you just simply do what's not necessary without the limitation of these things called morals. <laughs> morals. <laughs> Who needs these things? I I like this one. Yeah. I know. Well, the main can... this for me was the Green Hornet, who is a who is hero actually a vigilante but he poses as a villain yeah i uh i recently watched that movie with seth rogan and right. it was well yeah but the point is is that when i watch it it's he's out there to scare the bad guys by taking over the bad guys area right and threatening them or whatever um so the idea because they think he's a bad guy they don't know what he's willing to do. And I think that's what makes a character playing a fake villain interesting because you know that a paladin is less likely to just go all, you know, head explodey on you or whatever term you want. But because uh, right. heroes have morals, they have rules. Uh, and because I think this is a specifically a good one because we're talking superheroes that there's certain things most people know Superman won't do. And because of that, that can be leveraged against him. No matter what you do, most heroes, most people know Superman won't kill you. Um, he'll arrest you. 
What? He's not playing him time. Yes, but people don't realize that. It's not like he goes laser eyeing people to death, though. Um, the point I'm trying well, to make, though, is that if he has to, he has no qualms doing it per se. At least depending on who the writer is, I suppose. But yeah, it would yeah. be probably more Batman for that analogy specifically, I guess. Okay, Batman definitely yeah. doesn't kill people. He he makes it a very large point in his character that he does not kill people. Yeah, but um, does all of his all of the um. The enemies know that because otherwise sure Joker they, makes it that makes bank for that all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, I do. I do like this concept. I think it's cool to be able to play somebody who just it acts evil and, and mean. Uh, and when I play, uh, I'm watching uh Yu show right now and he started off as a, a villain, um, mm-hmm. but he acts like he hates and will kill anyone in a second. But throughout the whole thing, he's very, it seems like he's more bluster about it than actual action. Um, and I think the same goes true for Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. Um, although they started off as actual villains, a hero pretending to be uh, a, a villain can get away doing a lot more things than what a hero would do, I think. Right. So. <laughs> I agree to that. Yep. I, I can definitely see this being ran in in most games. Uh in general, specifically ones where there's like a very clear, um, like underground society that is obviously playing a very heavy role in the game. So, yeah. for instance, uh, Dragon Heist uh, would be a great one uh, because you're constantly messing with dudes who are like, "Hey, I'm from Xanathars," and uh, if you're some dude who's strutting up like, "Hey, I'm back from the mission from Xanathars," like, "Oh yeah," it's like, "Yeah," and you just punch him in the face and walk right in. I'm pretty sure the other guy's going to look at you like, oh, well, maybe he's one of the higher ups. So I don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this really lends itself well to the, the rogue's criminal background or the. Yes. Is yeah. it the rogue that has the current? What is the backstory? The criminal back, background or the charlatan? The criminal background does the charlatan too yeah. works. Both of those, I think, yeah. lend it well to this sort of style of play. Yeah. So I think that'll do it for our character yeah. concept, the fake villain. Sure. Uh, Austin, would you like to tell us about our monster variant? Sure. So our monster variant today is the Venom Drake. Uh, Venom Drakes hunt and prowl around lush marshlands, slimy swamps, and often outside the layers of green or black dragons. They are fearless creatures. Their bite is filled with a black ichor that causes loss of sight and hearing. Those who underestimate them quickly lose sight of their future. Ha! Ha, get it. Uh, so we're going to take the Chool. Cool. I don't know. Uh, we're going to make it lose its sense magic, tentacles, language, and pincer. But it's going to gain some new fun stuff. So we're yeah. going to give it Venomous Bite, which is uh, basically a 10-foot reaching melee attack. And on a DC 13 constitution saving throw, uh, they have to succeed on it or they're poisoned. And when they're poisoned, they're blinded and they're deafened, much like the flavor text. <laughs> and of course, you can keep repeating the saving throw because obviously that'd be pretty <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Um, and as with, uh, what Justin does lately with most of his monsters, if they don't have a legendary action, they have a reaction, uh, which this one in specific has something called the imposing roar. So when the Drake is hit with a melee weapon attack, it can use its reaction to release an intimidating bellow at the attacker. If the attack, if the target can he see and hear it, uh, it must make a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be frightened of the Drake until the end of the next turn. So... Pretty good stuff. So what do you guys think about this? 
Can it not fly? No. Drakes don't fly. Drakes don't fly? Okay. No. Who was not fly? They're 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 like their their category is, is dragon, but they don't have wings or intelligence to talk or anything like that. Um, but okay. this one's really fun. I wanted something different besides the traditional poison, and the idea of a car- person being bit and then can't see or hear anything seems just terrifying. You can make it so like they just feel like their eyes and their ears are burning. Yeah, but, like obviously they're not on fire. They're just you know. It's like in a, being in a black room with no sound at all. I mean, mm-hmm. but you can feel the pain of this thing biting into you and throwing you around, which is just fun. <laughs> just being thrown across yeah. the room. Yeah. Pretty good. I like it. I could definitely see like where having multiple of these things would be terrifying. <laughs> Everyone's just running around. They can't see or hear anything. So but then the just get slammed around. The only one who's like, "Oh boy, guys, I don't know what to do." <laughs> Man, something like this would be terrifying to put on like an ed- close cliff edge of a cliff. Yes, because <laughs> on like an airship. Oh, I totally. Oh man, that's that's terrifying. Because what happens if they wander off the edge? Like or a bridge. Yeah. You can't see. You can't. You can't hear. You just stand still, which makes you a bigger target. I think. So, anyways, this is a really simple yeah. monster. Uh, I like it. I thought there needed to be more drakes. There's not nearly enough. Um, so that. no, that'll That's do good. it for the Venom Drake. Our encounter of the podcast is the troll, Rikala uh, Ashhelm, a lawful good dwarf noble, is a respected educator in a large city. She has dedicated her life to alchemy, the combination of science and magic. When she was young, she lost her arm in a goblin raid. <laughs> While her family has money, access to magic that can heal the flesh is far too expensive for many, especially for farmers and the people where she grew up. Because of this, she has spent her life experimenting and developing a regenerative potion created from trolls' blood in the hopes that it can be used to regrow lost limbs. I can see so many ways this can go wrong. Right. Townsfolk have reported a monster in the sewers uh, and Rakala has gone missing. Her apprentice, Aenor Jemhart, a gnome commoner, is seeking help to find her. Aenor believes that the monster may have kidnapped Rekala. Aenor invites the characters back to their ransacked lab to investigate the last known whereabouts. A successful DC-16 investigation check reveals a broken potion bottle among the debris and massive claw marks around the lab. Aenor tells them it was the most recent experimental mixture that was in the broken vial. That contained troll blood potion. A d- successful DC 18 survival check. The characters are able to track the monstrous beast to its lair um, from the tracks it left behind. There they find a tr- stocky troll with long hair. A successful 19 wisdom perception check reveals that the troll's tattered white garment is nearly identical to that of Anor Gemhart. The troll is Rakala. She drank the experimental potion. It regrew her limb, but turned her into a troll with little awareness of who she is. She turned to a titan. (laughs) What do you guys think? Kurt counters. Love it. Yeah, I I, I mean. (laughs) 
I totally ripped off Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I, I would, if I was playing this, I'm sure it'd be a great time. I mean, I'm sure all your all your players would be like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. And then it happens. They're like, ah. And once again, the moral ambiguity comes in. She's a troll now. Is she always that way? Is she stuck that way? Does she change back? Can she be helped? Can she be healed? How much are the, are the players just not going to care? And she's a troll. How I much experience do they have with trolls? I would have stabbed her. Yeah, I know you would. I would have just gotten, I would have just been like, you rolled the dice and you lost. <laughs> Here's my broadsword. <laughs> um, I really like this. I think it could be a lot of fun. It could be really done as kind of a spooky, spooky horror thing. You can really branch off into this as long as you want um, with her disappearing or, or, or more people disappearing. Um, and whatnot. So, and you could definitely change the outcome of this too. Where, uh, I mean, maybe the potion does work. Maybe the DM's like, maybe I'll roll. If it's like a twenty, maybe I'll say it worked magically. Mm-hmm. And then you look and you're like, oh well, shit. I guess I have a new potion that I have to give people. <laughs> yeah, but now you don't have much of an encounter. Well, that's not true because yeah. they would still meet these people and still learn about what she's the work she's been doing. So, right. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for our encounter of the troll. <laughs> So bland. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Our magic item today is Spectacles of the Superman. The wonders item, rare, requires attunement. This headpiece is a golden frame inlaid with magical transparent blue lenses. A sigil in the form of an S is engraved on both sides that pass over the wearer's ears to keep the lenses in place. While wearing the spectacles of the Superman, you have a badge on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. In conditions of clear visibility, you can make out details of even extremely distant features and objects as small as two feet across. Spectacles have five charges, and while wearing them, you can use an action to expend one or more of these, these charges to cast one of the following spells from it. Spell save DC. Scorching Ray, which is two charges. Fireball, three charges. And true singing, five charges. The spectacles one four plus one expended charge daily at dawn. If you expend the last charge, roll a d twenty, and the one the spectacles blacken, turn to cinders, and it's destroyed. Okay. What do you guys think? It's a fun one. It's fun. The flavor was on the nose, I guess, <laughs> but you know. I, I tried to tie in the the superhero theme to everything this episode. Like it's, uh, I couldn't find I X-ray glasses though, so I gave him True Sight instead. Or True Sight. Yeah, it's probably the best you can go with. But while it's such a high level spell, I had to make it potentially blow up their magic item though. All right. Um, Something about though is um, so we all know the uh, whole thing of like. Oh, does Superman just playing glasses and no, nobody realizes Clark Kent Superman? But then the guy said, and then I saw Tony Hawk without a skateboard. <laughs> it's true. That's so funny. Wouldn't recognize Man. him. Uh, it's a real simple item. The scorching ray and the fireball and the true seeing is just all the Superman thing. Of course, having advantage on perception check is really nice. Um, especially mm-hmm. when you consider perception as one of the highest used skills. So, 
if not the highest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get the supervision. You can see really far distances. So, which I think would be great for somebody who took the spell sniper feat. She's like, oh, by the way, now you can actually yeah. see what you're shooting at. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, that'll do it for our magic item, the spectacles of the Superman. Austin, would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip today? Sure, our Dungeon Master tip today is public opinion. So when Evos fight, they tend to make a pretty big mess. This doesn't bode well with the taxpayers. (laughs) Uh, Each Evo hero or villain has a public relations score that affects how they are received by the public. Score starts at 10, and it can go as low as 0 or as high as 30. Much like an ability score, a public opinion less than 10 imposes a negative modifier on all charisma checks. Now, even though we said this is for Evos, this could definitely work in the 5th edition setting as well. So if your heroes are going around, they just blew up a bank because the villain was there. And they're like, well, if to kill the big bad evil guy, we may as well just blow up the whole building he's in. This is the guys something... that uh, water deep aren't going to be super happy with you. <laughs> uh, overall, I really think the public opinion is a, a, a great option for any D and D campaign because if you think about it, all of the disasters and issues that players cause, whether purposefully, which is mostly purposefully, burning down ends, you know, mm-hmm. letting buildings or letting volcanoes erupt and melt away cities without helping people, all those sorts of things build a relationship with the people. When you help the 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 little child with her kitten caught in a tree, if you save the old lady so she doesn't get hit by the cart while crossing the road, all those little things help build a relationship with the with the with the 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 public with and their opinion already right. goes up and so ha- keeping track of something like that and and having a a way to hey if you do really well with them they start to think highly of you and you get advantage on checks or disadvantage or just modifiers um in either case i think that that's really useful uh what do you think ian i definitely think it is something that i would like to see in rpgs more often because i feel like there's many times where Heroes do heroic things in RPGs, but the world around them doesn't seem to acknowledge it. Right. So it's nice to see like a guys in the bar saying, "Hey, you're that guy who slayed the lich." <laughs> yeah, be pretty important. You're a real lich slayer. I can't believe you did it, son. <laughs> what can I say? Lichers get stitches. overall i think it's a lot of fun i think you can do a lot with it and i think it would really make the world feel alive if every time the players ran up oh you're the bastard that let that uh tower fall on top of the church or something and kill all those people (laughs) all because you want you chose to get the loot instead um that'll do it the orphanage (laughs) okay that'll do it for our dungeon master tip the public opinion our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick and you can avoid dickitude by mastering your arcane studies be the hulk for the or toughest big, big guy yeah <laughs> for the toughest hulk like character start as a hill dwarf for a plus one hp bonus to your level Per level. Select the Barbarian, and at third level, be a Path of the Totem Bear, because that now you have resistance to basically everything but Psychic, which basically doubles your hit point efficiency, right? Um, And at fourth level, take the Toughness feat for two more HP per level on top of that, and then use your Ability Modifier to max out Constitution. When you do this, you can basically get a plus eight hit points per level. Yeah. That's huge when you consider the wizard has a D6 
Yeah. Did I? That's yeah. 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 What do you? I what, think you start hitting like three hundred HP, like genuinely. Yeah, you get you yeah. get pretty you get you pretty get buff way up there. <laughs> You'll be Especially pretty Hulk like, <laughs> right? You'll be pretty Hulk like, and and that's really the 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 point. And you don't even have to go that far in Barbarian. The hot farther you go, obviously, the more hit points Probably you're going better. to have, right? Yeah. But even if you just stop that, you know, third level, that still allows you a lot of extra hit points, regardless of your class. And then uh, you can just go into like fighter or something, mm-hmm. something easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's very simple. It's very optimized, but it's a lot of fun. And who doesn't like a good tank? Ooh. Absolutely. Go to third level and change the druid. Druid tank. With eight hexes. Yeah, but then you can't use level. rage. Can't. So you can use rage as a druid. No, you can use you can uh you just won't be able to use your spells. You can still right. wild shape, I guess, yeah. yeah. Never thought about that. Well, this is the math for this. At level twenty, I it's about 305 HP, so... Oh, damn. That's a lot. <laughs> that's dear. a lot of HP. I mean, that's like... That's yeah, some high-level monster that's, level stuff. That's like more than some like end-game bosses yeah. in D&D. Like, legitimately. That's crazy. <laughs> some of them get to like 270, and that's usually pretty high, but if you're getting like 300, you could just look at them and be like, I'm tougher than you, and they're just like... <laughs> you are. In right. my- Taking half damage for everything, so it's effectively a 610 if you keep raging. Which, by the yeah, way, if you're level 20, that. you can infinitely rage. <laughs> yeah, your effective HP yep. doubles. Damn. <laughs> Hulk smash! When he gets angry, he gets stronger and tougher. Or you can just <laughs> choose the Zealot Barbarian, and when you can keep raging and, until you, you literally you just can't die. Right. Because when you reset your rage, you can... You just you just pause your death saves. <laughs> so Please hold, I'm not ready to die. <laughs> you can just run at people. Just keep running at them with one HP like, oh, come back here, I gotta hit you. <laughs> um I still left at the fact that when I did that level twenty Bell Royale, everybody kinged up on the half orc barbarian who was raging because he would not go down. <laughs> That's funny. Seriously, scary stuff. I should yeah. play Barbarian next time. Maybe that's what you do. should. Uh, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. Uh, so before we close out, we have another gift to give away. Ian, would you like to tell us about it? Mass menace terrifies the region. The adventurers stumble upon their evil scheme. The kidnapping of a famous performer known as Devon Artis. Their mission is to deliver a, a ransom. Collect Devon. This adventure... Given away by Jeff Stevens Games, Scourge of the Nightingale, Part One, who's Song our, of Love. Who's our winner, winner today? Is Turlo. Congratulations, Turlo. If you enjoy the adventure, please uh, leave Jeff Stevens a review. Um, if you didn't win, have no fear. Head on over to CritAcademy.com slash Jess Stevens uh, for more fat loots. Uh, Absolutely. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode. We'll be discussing Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. You can join us live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Boom. I'm so excited to talk about Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. <laughs> Me too. I think we all are. Oh, yeah. uh, if you enjoy the show and want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on all social media and leave us a review. 
we're awesome and you, we want to show that you guys that we're awesome. <laughs> it's Steph. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Austin. I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Uh, <laughs> Alicia just ran in here to tell me that the images behind me, everyone can only see their tits because of the way the image is cropped on the stream. <laughs> you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can make it a little better so that it's a little bigger. Boom. There you can see some heads now. <laughs>